Chapter Twenty Three of Tom Sawyer. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Adventures of Tom Sawyer by Mark Twain. Chapter Twenty Three. At last, the sleepy atmosphere was stirred, and vigorously the murder trial came on in the court it became the absorbing topic of village talk immediately tom could not get away from it every reference to the murder sent a shudder to his heart for his troubled conscience and fears almost persuaded him that these remarks would put forth in his hearing as feelers he did not see how he could be suspected of knowing anything about the murder but still he could not be comfortable in the midst of gossip it kept him in a cold shiver all the time he took Huck to a lonely place to have a talk with him. It would be some relief to unseal his tongue for a little while, to divide his burden of distress with another sufferer. Moreover, he wanted to assure himself that Huck had remained discreet. Huck, have you ever told anybody about that? About what? You know what? Oh, of course I haven't never a word never a solitary word so help me what makes you ask well i was afeard why time sorry we shouldn't be alive two days if we had got found out you know that tom felt more comfortable after a pause huck they couldn't anybody get you to tell could they get me to tell why, if I wanted that half-breed devil to drown me, they could get me to tell. They ain't no different way. Well, that's all right, then. I reckon we're safe as long as we keep mum. But let's swear again, anyway. It's more sure. I'm agreed. So they swore again with dread solemnities. What is that talk around, Huck? I've heard a power of it. Talk? Well, it's just Muff Potter, Muff Potter, Muff Potter all the time. It keeps me in a sweat constant. So's I want to hide summers. That's just the way they go on round me. I reckon he's a goner. Don't you feel sorry for him sometimes? Most always, most always. He ain't no account, but then he ain't ever done anything to hurt anybody. Just fishes a little to get money to get drunk on, and loaves around considerable. But, Lord, we all do that, leastways most of us, preachers and such like. But he's kind of good. He give me half a fish once, when there weren't enough or two, and lots of times he's kind of stood by me when I was out of luck. Well, he's mending kites for me, Huck and knitted hooks onto my line. I wish we could get him out of there. My, we couldn't get him out, Tom. And besides, twould do any good. They'd catch him again. Yeah, so they would. But I hate to hear him abuse him so like the Dickens when he never done that. I do too, Tom. Lord. I hear him say he's the bloodiest-looking villain in this country, and they wonder he hasn't ever hung before. Yes, they talk like that all the time. 
I've heard him say that if he was to get free, they'd lynch him. And they do it, too. The boys had a long talk, and it brought them little comfort. As the twilight drew on, they found themselves hanging about the neighborhood of the little isolated jail, perhaps with an undefined hope that something would happen that might clear away their difficulties. But nothing happened. There seemed to be no angels or fairies interested in this luckless captive. The boys did, as they had often done before, went to the cell, grating, and gave Potter some tobacco and matches. He was on the ground floor, and there were no guards. His gratitude for their gifts had always smote to their consciences before, and cut deeper than ever, this time. They felt cowardly and treacherous to the last degree when Potter said, You've been mighty good to me, boys, better nor anybody else in this town. And I don't forget it, I don't. Often I says to myself, says I, I used to mend all the boys' kites and things, and show em where the good fishing places was, and befriend em what I could. And now they've all forgot old Muff when he's in trouble. But Tom don't, and Huck don't. They don't forget him, says I, and I don't forget them. Well, boys, I'd done an awful thing. Drunken crazy at the time. That's the only way I count for it. And now I got to swing for it. And it's right. Right. And best, too, I reckon. Hope so, anyway. Well, we won't talk about that. I don't want to make you feel bad. You've befriended me. But what I want to say is, don't you ever get drunk. Then you won't get here. Stand a little further west. So, that's it. It's a prime cover to see... Faces that's friendly when a body's in such a mark of trouble, and there don't none come here but yourn. Good friendly faces, good friendly faces. Get up on one another's backs, and let me touch em, that's it, shake hands. Yourn'll come through the bars, but mine's too big, little hands and weak. But they've helped Muff Potter a power, and they'd help him more if they could. Tom went home miserable, and his dreams that night were full of horrors. The next day, and the day after, he hung about the courtroom, drawn by an almost irresistible impulse to go in, but forcing himself to stay out. Huck was having the same experience. They studiously avoided each other. Each wandered away, from time to time, but the same dismal fan always brought them back presently. Tom kept his ears open while Idlers hunted out of the courtroom, but invariably heard distressing news. The toils were closing more and more relentlessly around poor Potter. At the end of the second day, the village talk was to the effect that Injun Joe's evidence stood firm and unshaken and that there was not the slightest question as to what the jury's verdict would be. Tom was out late that night, and came to bed through the window. He was in a tremendous state of excitement. It was hours before he got to sleep. 
all the village flocked to the courthouse the next morning for this was to be the great day both sexes were about equally represented in the packed audience after a long wait the jury filled in and took their places shortly afterwards potter pale and haggard timid and hopeless was brought in with chains upon him and seated where all the curious eyes could stare at him no less conspicuous was injun joe stolid as ever there was another pause and then the judge arrived and the sheriff proclaimed the opening of the court the unusual whisperings among the lawyers and gathering together papers followed these details and accompanying delays worked up an atmosphere of preparation that was as impressive as it was fascinating now a witness was called who testified that he found muff potter washing in the brook at an early hour of the morning that the murder was discovered and that he immediately sneaked away after some further questioning counsel for the prosecution said take the witness the prisoner raised his eyes for a moment but dropped them again when his whole counsel said i have no questions to ask him the next witness proved the finding of the knife near the corpse counsel for the prosecution said take the witness i have no question to ask him potter's lawyer replied a third witness swore he had often seen the knife in potter's possession take the witness counsel for potter declined to question him the faces of the audience began to betray annoyance did this attorney mean to throw away his client's life without an effort several witnesses deposed concerning potter's guilty behavior when brought to the scene of the murder they were allowed to leave the stand without being cross-questioned every detail of the damaging circumstances that occurred in the graveyard upon that morning which all present remembered so well was brought out by credible witnesses but none of them were cross-examined by potter's lawyer the perplexity and dissatisfaction of the house expressed itself in murmurs and provoked a reproof from the bench counsel for the prosecution now said by the oaths of citizens whose simple word is above suspicion we have fastened this awful crime beyond all possibility of question upon the unhappy prisoner at bar we rest our case here a groan escaped from poor potter he put his face in his hands and rocked his body swiftly to and fro while a painful silence reigned in the courtroom many men were moved and many women's compassion testified itself in tears counsel for the defence rose and said your honour in our remarks at the opening of this trial we foreshadowed our purpose to prove that our client did this fearful deed while under the influence of a blind and irresponsible delirium produced by drink we have changed our mind we shall not offer that plea then to the clerk call thomas sawyer a puzzled amazement awoke in every face in the house not even excepting potter's every eye fastened itself with wondering interest upon tom as he rose and took his place upon the stand the boy looked wild enough for he was badly scared the oath was administered thomas sawyer where were you on the seventeenth of june about the hour of midnight tom glanced at injun's joe's iron face and his tongue failed him 
the audience listened breathless but the words refused to come after a few moments however the boy got a little of his strength back and managed to put enough of it into his voice to make part of the house near in the graveyard a little louder please don't be afraid you were in the graveyard the contemptuous smile fitted across injun joe's face were you anywhere near horse william's grave yes sir speak up just a trifle louder how near were you near as i am to you were you hidden or not i was hid where behind the elms that's on the edge of the grave injun joe gave a barely perceptible start any one with you yes sir i went there with wait wait a moment never mind mentioning your companion's name we will choose him at the proper time did you carry anything there with you tom hesitated and looked confused speak out my boy don't be defendant the truth is always respectable what did you take there only a uh, a dead cat there was a ripple of mirth which the court checked we will produce the skeleton of that cat now my boy tell us everything that occurred tell it in your own way don't skip anything and don't be afraid tom began hesitatingly at first but as he warmed to his subject his words flowed more and more easily in a little while every sound ceased but his own voice every eye fixed itself upon him with parted lips and bated breath the audience hung upon his words taking no note of time wrapped in the ghastly fascinations of the tale the strain upon pent emotion reached its climax when the boy said and as the doctor fetched the board around and muff potter fell injun joe jumped with the knife and crash quick as lightning the half-breed sprang for a window tore his way through all opposers and was gone End of chapter 23 Read by Elijah Fisher